you're tuned into the barrage sports show yo what's up everybody the barrage sports show i'm one of your hosts mike b mike burr april t all right let's let's get into dak prescott man he got a big 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 check four years 160 mil mm. 123 mil guaranteed mm. 75 mil the first season with a 66 million dollar signing bonus did Dak deserve that much much money mm, yeah he what 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 other option do the Cowboys have we saw their their array of subpar backups they had you know which you gonna go in the next season with Andy Dalton you know he had all the leverage and he used it yeah smart they averaged about 32 points a game with Prescott. They only averaged 21 points a game without him. So I think that helped a lot that when he had the real bad injury in week five, their offense just blew up after he left. Because, you know, he was leading the NFL in passing yards for the last couple of seasons or right at the top. And so that was really the only bright spot the last couple of seasons. And it made – this this may sound weird. It may actually be a good thing that he got injured because you got to see what the team like looked like with them. They you know they they were pretty good and you know they 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 could have possibly made the playoffs, especially with that division. And then without them, it's just it was just a mess. You know you had the rotation of quarterbacks. It wasn't looking good. So. It kind of gave him even more leverage in a situation versus if he would have played the whole season and they don't make the playoffs or they're like eight and eight or something. And Jerry might just say, hey, we'll let him go and try to draft somebody. True. I think the Russell Wilson rumors kind of motivated the situation, too. Really? And not that Russell Wilson, you know, his agent keeps saying, at least as of this time, he doesn't want to trade. But. They did come out with a list of his top four destinations, <laughs> and Dallas was on that list. Mm. And I'm quite sure that De- Dak Prescott and his people, just like everybody else in the national sports media, saw that list. And Dak has to know, okay, Russell's a two-time Super Bowl guy, winning one, losing one, perennial All-Pro. So he would be an upgrade. So I'm quite sure in his negotiations, he was a little more motivated to get it signed. Mm. So you think the potential for Jerry to pull off some sort of trade for Russell Wilson motivated Dak to to move forward? I think so. And, and, and again, it's not that the trade was out there because Russell – He's adamant about saying he doesn't want to be traded. At least that's what his people are saying. But they gave a list of four teams he would be able to play for. Mm-hmm. Dallas was on that list. So Dak is a human being, man. You know, he knows how good Russell is. Russell is an NFC guy. Russell's a fan favorite, even more so than Dak. And believe me, the Dallas Cowboy faithful wouldn't have been upset if they lose Dak and pick up Russell. So, so who do you think got what they wanted, right? Because they, they've been negotiating this for two years. Do you think, in the negotiation, who won? Do you think Jerry Jones and the Cowboys won this massive deal or Dak Prescott? I think Dak won mm. because Jerry didn't want to pay him that type of money. But him getting injured was almost as good as holding out. You know, it was in a in a more unorthodox way, but him not being in that lineup after week five, they weren't the Cowboys weren't even watchable, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I think Jerry starts saying, "Okay, I have a little remorse now because he's our most marketable player. Ezekiel Elliott has fell off. You know, the big wide receiver, uh, what Mari Cooper." Yep. He wasn't the same without Dak. So he saw how the whole system revolved around Dak, not only from, you know, the potential to win, but just a an exciting standpoint, a marketing standpoint, 
The Dallas Cowboy quarterback is always somebody you know. Always a big name from Troy Aikman, Roger Starbuck, Danny White, Tony Romo, and now you have Dak. So that's a big part of their brand. And so him getting hurt was kind of a blessing in disguise because I think Jerry said, okay, we need this guy. He is our marquee guy. It ain't like a whole bunch of quarterbacks out there lining up. So I'm going to capitulate a little bit and get this deal done. And, again, I think Russell motivated Dak a little bit. by When you start seeing a few other names dangling out there, you say, yeah, well, okay, let's get it done, Jerry. And, and you know, Dak, Dak's having a good year. When you think about what he made last year with the $31 million guarantee with the uh, the franchise tag. Yeah. And then this contract is front-loaded. In the first year of the contract, he's getting $75 million uh, in that first year. Right. So he made $100 million in the last year. And, you know, I think this is also smart for the Cowboys, too, because – you pay them more of the money up front, and now you have more cap flexibility throughout the life of the contract because, obviously, all this money they're paying, they, Jerry wants a Super Bowl out of this. So it'll kind of get them more flexibility, kind of pay them up front, and then now you can kind of make some moves, uh, you know, in the, in the midterm. Yeah, and I heard his cap hit is only, like, the, the sixth highest, like the sixth highest maybe out of the yeah. top players. Like, his players – on other teams that have even a bigger cap hit than him, even though he's getting like a record seventy-five million. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, what type of financial wizardry how they pulled that off. Because you're right, he's even though they're paying Dak seventy-five million, his cap hit is only uh, twenty-two million, and like you said, that's a middle of the road. You know, that's a a high a high tier player, but not. Any of the top quarterbacks, it's, it's defensive players with a bigger cap hit than that across the league. So I don't know how they, exactly they pulled that off, but it makes Dak happy, and then obviously it gives the Cowboys room to, to make some moves in free agency. Yeah, I mean, it worked out really good because, again, when you sign somebody that type of money, the cap hits could be so big you can't sign anybody else. But yep. that, that didn't happen in this case. And maybe because he got a $66 million Signing bonus, maybe that's mm. the big part of the seventy-five million, and of course we know a signing bonus is a way to circumvent a lot of the cap stuff. But I like the fact that one hundred twenty-six million of it is guaranteed. So that that came up, man, and I thought he took a big risk mm. by not signing the first time around, getting franchise tagged. And the worst case scenario was he got hurt, but come to find out that really worked to his advantage, and now. Everything is all well with Dak, man. He fat paid. Yep. He's still with the team he want to be with, with the Cowboys. He didn't slaughter the salary cap. And it just worked out good. And the fans seem to be responding to it well. They, yeah. You know, they didn't look at it as like he being so greedy, he's decimating our team. Or they didn't look at it like he was being unreasonable. Cowboy Nation is like, cool, okay, we got Dak sold up. Let's try to make another run at another Super Bowl or make a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, he definitely he definitely uh, knew his worth. You know, you see a lot of uh, quarterbacks that haven't proven anything. Uh, you know, look at look at in the division. Look at Carson Wentz' massive contract, and yeah. he just got traded for what a first round pick and uh, something else. I don't even know. It's, he just when you, when you draft a guy that high, you pay him a hundred million. You don't expect to trade him a couple years after that. Yeah, but he was so bad. And it's funny, he went to the Colts, and when he came over, he asked, I forgot who the guy was, asked for his jersey number. <laughs> yeah. And the dude's like, no. Like, no. You yeah, know, and then now you already got a situation in the locker room before you right. get on the team. And, and he's had a history right. of, you know, bad locker room and different stuff. So a guy, a leader like Dak, he doesn't get enough credit for that. All on In the locker room and off the field, he's been exemplary. Uh, and yeah, turning down that first offer, thirty million. You know, he looked across the league and he said, "I could, I, I'm a forty million dollar quarterback, uh, based on what I've done. You know, we've made the playoffs before. I've been. Uh, he won the rookie, rookie of the year, so he he's done some great things already. And uh, you know, I think he definitely won this deal. I do too. But you know, man, and April, let me ask you, how could you turn down that type of money? 
like the first time out the gate. And, and maybe it's all relative, don't get me wrong, but come on, we grew up in a neighborhood. We from the south side of the shy. I just don't know how those players have that much intestinal fortitude to turn <laughs> down these mega con like I would be first out the gate. Like as soon as it's a big deal, big money, I'm like, so <laughs> could y'all do that? I mean, you you gotta look at it. You know, the first the first offer we heard was somewhere around 30 million a year. And yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. But it, like you said, it's all relative, right? When you know you could be making forty million a year, you know you can get a hundred million guaranteed. You saw Patrick Mahomes just sign for half a billion dollars. You gotta bet on yourself. You know, it's it's just like any investment, right? You gotta sacrifice in the short term. And I know some scary moments in there, especially when he got hurt. You know, that could have been a career in the injury, but in this case, he he gambled on himself and it paid off. And we've seen other situations where it hasn't, right? Uh, somebody that comes to mind is like DeMarcus Cousins. You know, he unfortunately, right the year before, I think he was supposed to be, you know, a max deal, injury after injury after injury. So Yeah, he'll never see that money again. Yeah, and then so it's it's just, it's a gamble. But in this situation, it paid off. But if I turn down 30 mil a year, even though I know the market might say 40 or 50, I'm being honest, I wouldn't even be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I'm just speaking for me. What about you, April? Could you turn down thirty million a year? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I think what Dak did was smart. I kind of like these the way these new players are thinking. They know their worth. These uh, pro, these teams make billions off of these players. If you take into consideration ticket sales before COVID, you know, clothes and just all the extra things you can buy at the stadium. Um, and it's not like once you get to that level of where you're making 25 million, 30 million. Yes, it's a difference, but it's more or less the same. And, and he was in, he was in a win-win situation. It's like, okay, I don't get my big contract, but they I'm still making 30 million this year. And then I can go next year and get somewhere, go somewhere else. So you're definitely in a great position. And the thing is like you can live off of $30 million for the rest of your life. And we're not even taking into consideration all the other business ventures that they have outside mm. of what they're getting from the Cowboys. I agree. Yeah. All that I agree. I'm talking about you. I'm asking you. I'm asking Mike Burr. Could you guys, you, the first deal come up, let's say it's four years, 120, 112, 112, 120 million. So that's, you know, 40 million a year or, you know, it's small, you know, or 30, 30 million a year. So that's. Yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, like, like April said, you're, when you look at, you know, you know, your market, you know, your value, if you're in that spot, you say, you know, I could take the 30 mil now, but I, I agree with what Dak did. I would, I would do the same. Take Again, that 40 I'm not talking mil, about Dak. Could take you the, do it? I, I just said, yeah, I agree with what Dak did. I would have did the same thing. You could bet on yourself. And you got to think, you know, these owners are making billions of dollars. They love to negotiate, and that's how they got in that position, by being great negotiators. Uh, but, you know, like like I, I used to work in Soldier Field, and you see, you know, they're selling a beer and a hot dog for $20. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They make <laughs> so a they, lot of money. So the fans are in there spending money. You're they're buying your jersey, and these players these days know their worth, and that's a good spot to be in. So April, you could do that. You could walk away from thirty million for the next four years, right on wood. The the contract right in front of you, the paper right in front of you. All you got to do is a swipe of a pen. Yes, I would have done the same thing Dak did. Uh, look, last time he was in contract negotiations for sure. Pay me. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys are worth $5 billion. The most <laughs> profitable, highest net worth sports team in the world, even yep. over the soccer leagues, the different club leagues. Number one, pay me. And he builds a name for himself. He is Dak Prescott. He could have went somewhere else. If you got people like the Bears and the Colts fighting for Carson Wentz, 
<laughs> you know, so yeah. you got Alex Smith going from this team, that team, pay me. And you gotta and you gotta think that uh you know like I think the opportunities outside of the game are so much greater for players. Like if he starts, you know, let's say it was a career in the injury. Okay, you made the 30 mil, but now you, you'll never see that money again. Okay, just start a podcast or invest in, you know, Silicon Valley or, you know, it's it's so much you can do outside of the game now that they're like, hey, I could make this sacrifice because this isn't going to be my only source of income. Yeah, I feel you. But, you know, and I guess we just got kind of different perspectives. You know, you guys are in your 20s. I'm in my 50s. So I'm taking that money on the wood first. First one out yeah. the gate, and you you got to think, you know, what Dak is what 27. So that yeah. that definitely makes a, a strong parallel there, uh, you know, and 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 that kind of makes sense because you see older players, they're just trying to get all the money they can get for they retire. They don't care if they go to, uh, I was gonna say Cleveland, but they're actually pretty good right now. Uh, but uh, go to Jacksonville, the Bears. they don't care or, if they go to the Bears. <laughs> yeah, so. You definitely see that change as players get older. They're more willing to take just the the highest bidder. Yeah, and I guess I guess that's where my perspective is coming from. You know, being in my fifties, I see that money on wood. I don't I don't need to negotiate. Okay, maybe I am leaving some money on the table, but my mentality will be. But maybe I'm not, and I'm signing that contract, and then I'm gonna get a photocopy of it, and then I'm gonna go to I'm gonna put it in my pillow. And go to sleep on it every night, <laughs> right inside my pillow. I'm gonna have a copy of that contract and just snuggle up to it. Yeah, but you know, I'm happy for Dak. You know, that's that's good. But let me ask you another question, and this is just something that I just kind of come off the top of my head. Did this just change the salary structure going forward for like every player? Is every player gonna ask for more money now and hold out for more money, like? The NFL has a hard cap, but is this like opening up a Pandora box for the owners when well, now people going to want that bread? Yeah, I think I think that door has already been open. I mean, you see the salaries inflating when you see a, a you know, a, a like just a monumental deal Patrick Mahomes on uh, with the, you know, half a billion dollars, 10 years. And and that's the thing about the NFL, right? The NBA, And I could see this happening. Just like the NBA, you know, they had to set regulations for a max contract. They had to set regulations for this is the only amount of years you can offer. I can see that happening in the NFL because as these contracts, especially for the quarterback position, just keep ballooning up. I can see the owners getting together and say, hey, we got to set, you know, a limit for this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I see that see happening. That. I kind of see that. So, yeah, I mean, hey, man, that's the thing, man. And that. That wide receiver who turned down Carson Wentz for the coach, that was Michael Pittman Jr. Um, Wentz said he wanted number 11 because he had been wearing it since college. Mm -hmm. And Pittman was like, no. I yeah, respect Mike Pittman for that. Carson Wentz, <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not a champion, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with the Pittman interview. I'm with that all the way. I'm like, who are you? And, Who are you? And if, you're the if you're the coach, GM, and owner, you're like, oh my god, because that, that's a horrible uh, introduction to the team. <laughs> a guy you got to pay a hundred million dollars, and the the receivers don't even respect him enough to give up the number. That's that's a bad sign. Yeah, that is. But you know, I got a little trivia fact. Did you know the NFL quarterbacks are allowed to wear numbers one through nineteen? Yep. I didn't know that. I like. I didn't know they had a number range. Mm -hmm. But that's their number range. Yep. I never knew that until this incident happened and I started finding out more information. So Wait, how, how long have you been watching football? A long time, man. <laughs> but I never knew. I never knew they had a number range. I really didn't. But it makes sense because I guess I never saw a number higher than 19 on a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, limits. I mean, and that's think about it. You never seen like in college, you'll see a defensive player with like two or three. But then, you know, in the NFL... You, you know, I believe it starts at 20, and so that's why most defensive players, they had a higher numbers. You know, quarterbacks have low numbers. Kickers have low numbers, you know. Yeah, learn something new every day. Yeah. And for the Colts, two numbers are already gone. So he's not getting 11, Carson Wentz. He's certainly not getting 18, 
That's Peyton Manning. His number's retired. And he's not getting 19. That's Johnny Unitas. So two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. 18, 19 is gone. 11's gone because the dude just said no. So he's going to have to just find something else. Well, that's just a, <laughs> that's just your trivia fact today on the Barrage Sports Show. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh I think most of our listeners will know that. Well, for those who don't, uh I, w- I want to transition. So we had All-Star Weekend. Um, in March, which is which is the f- first time I believe, and I think we saw something really unique. Where probably the greatest display of three point shooting in NBA history. Yeah, Steph and Dame. That was crazy. And then even on the other side, you had Bradley Beal, you had uh, Paul George was hitting them. Almost, it seemed like every player, even Giannis, was making threes. That's how <laughs> he was three for three from the three. He and sixteen for sixteen from the field. So, I think this opens back up the the conversation that's been had: is should the NBA incorporate a four point line? I say yeah because Steph and Dame, they've opened up the NBA to a whole new shot, and they call logo shots. Yeah, that's the new name for them. Logo shots. I think Dane pulled up one. Was he behind half court or step over half court? Bottoms. He hit. Yeah, he hit. I think he hit two from behind half court and he hit one from like, or he had a bunch from like a step or two inside. Yeah. Yeah. Curry hit a few right. He hit one one or two on the logo and just a few. But I think that should be worth four points because that's a logo shot. Like, let me tell you something, man. When I was in high school and I played high school ball, I wasn't in the NBA. But if you stopped and shot that shot, <laughs> just you you just after you shot it, you just turn and walk to the edge of the bench. Yeah, even when I was in high school, there's no way you could get away with that shot. Even a even in the NBA in the early 2000s, you wouldn't even Kobe couldn't get away with that shot. You yeah, I mean, even if you made the game. It. Right. <laughs> I mean, even if you made it, you would have to – if you pulled up within the framework of the offense and the buzzer wasn't down to like three, two, yeah. one, and you took that shot, make a miss, as soon as the ball left your hand, you just turn, walk to the edge of the bench, <laughs> and if you're not Kobe Bryant or star, you probably won't play for the rest of the season. Yeah. Or you'll be deep in the coach's doghouse. Now, they're making that shot within the floor of the offense. And yeah. nobody's getting mad. Yeah, and I think, you know, a part of that, obviously, after Steph Curry's, you know, back-to-back MVPs, he changed the game to where coaches and and everybody's a lot more accepting of three-point shots. And they're making them at such a high percentage. That's the other thing. You know, I got some numbers here. Uh, So, of threes from greater than 28 feet. So, if you don't know, the three-point line is about 24 feet. That's the, the farthest it gets. So that means you're at least four feet back, couple steps back. We got a lot of players. Trey Young's making 34%. Harden's making 30%. Uh, Eric Gordon's making 33%. And Steph, Steph and Dame are about there. So think about that. If you make that just from three, that's an average yeah, percentage nowadays. 30s are about average. Yeah, 30s about average. So if you're making that from the logo where nobody's going to guard you out there, you know they're letting it fly, and they're they're making them at a high percentage, and that I, that's why I agree. I think we should at this point have a four point shot. I think so too, man. I think they should get rewarded. And shout out to Steph. Steph started all of this. Yeah, for sure. He revolutionized the game. Where he revolutionized the game, not only with the logo shots and just the ridiculous far shots, but he and then give Clay Thompson the splash brother, give him some the lesser credit, but he's right up there with them. Mm. They changed the game, whereas you could start shooting a three on a fast break. Mm. I'll say this once again. When I was in high school, even when I played neighborhood ball, if you pushed the ball on a fast break and you stopped and pulled up for a long-range jumper, you wouldn't even get the ball again playing pickup ball in the hood because that was considered like bailing out. On a fast break, you were supposed to cut toward the basket and get that pass on the move. The 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 most you could get away with on the fast break was a, a kind of a pull-up jumper, a floater, a close mid-range shot. You could maybe get away with that. But if you yeah. ain't take it to the well, 
And I'm talking about even in pickup ball, they'd be like, dude, what you doing? If you missed, if you pushed it down on a fast break, even in the hood back in the days, and then somebody, you you know, you kicked it to somebody to cut to the basket or make the extra pass, and they just stopped and launched it, you'd be like, dude, <laughs> what you doing? Yeah, it, uh, it wouldn't be a uh, a good day at the park for you. It wouldn't you might, be a good you day at the park. You probably won't get picked up for that next you game. You won't get picked up again. They'd be like, dude, what you shooting Jays for, man? We had a fast break. <laughs> Steph Curry changed all of that, dude. Yeah. Well, now that's commonplace. You push it up on a, on a fast break. You go inside, but then they looking to kick outside. They looking yeah. to kick outside sometimes more than inside. Yeah, on a fast break, people start fanning towards the three point lines instead of start cutting, making cuts toward the basket. Yeah, and, and that used to be a, a no no. You get yelled at if on a fast break you went out to the three. But you know, due to the analytics and Steph Curry, now you see, hey, the percentage wise, if we make these at this percentage and a layup, you know, three is greater than two. And uh, like Dame, he's making thirty seven percent. Of his logo shots this year. Wow. That's crazy. So just like, you know, it, I don't know. When, when did they add the three-point line? Was that during your time or was that a little before? Yeah, that was during my time. But let me see. I'm going I'm to Google that. When did they add yeah. the three-point line? So just like they said, uh, you know, a three-point shot is a greater degree of difficulty than hitting a layup. So we need an extra point for that. I think now is the time that, that so many people are making these logo shots to say, hey, if you could shoot from back there, you could have four points. But okay, so I'm gonna I'm going to actually have to disagree. Mm. Because for someone who's not like I wouldn't call myself a NBA buff, but I do love the NBA. Um to me, a four point shot is gonna be a little too Harlem Globe trotter for me. Mm. Okay. I think it's going to take away from that physical one on one. If you if if you could just get a four point shot, basically from the half line or something like that, I feel like we'll lose some of that physicality of basketball, and it's going to feel like I'm nine years old again watching the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> everyone's going to try to do that. That's that's and then a- defense may not be as on you because if they go, it's just I feel like it's just. I don't know. It's just too like you know mm. theatrical. Like Harlem Globetrotters, that's so cool when they do that. It's so cool every now and then when you see some of the top players, you know, do it at the buzzer or like Steph Curry just do it with his eyes closed. But if every if it becomes that, then everyone's gonna do it. I think it's gonna lose mm. some of that like roughness that you see in the NBA. Mm. That's that's a good point. You think if they add the four point shot, that's gonna make more incentive to where. Players might just be jacking those up all game. We might not have any, right? The mid-range game is basically dead already, but players might just stop going to the basket altogether. Yeah, I think they're going to stop going to the basket. I think it'd just be like a dunks every now and then, and then these crazy shots fall over. <laughs> so and then most of some people can't do it. I just think it's too Harlem Globe chart. They think, yeah. you know, they're going to start doing cartwheels and backward flips, and it's like a weird <laughs> costumes. And, uh, my favorite Harlem Globe chart trick is when they have the buckets with water and they throw some real water, throw some real water, then they get a fan and they act like they're going to throw water, but it's confetti. <laughs> I used to love that. Because the fans think they're getting splashed and they switch it to confetti. I, I can see that because, I mean, that's basically what we saw at the All-Star game, right? It was a couple dunks and everybody was just throwing up these crazy threes. And yeah, if, if the game just turned into that, that might, it would lose a lot of the art and skill of the game. So that's, that's good pushback. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I still feel like they they could test it out, maybe. You know, to I want it, man. I, I yeah. want it to be Harlem Gold Trotters. I want the confetti <laughs> bucket. I want the string on the ball. I want the Washington Generals. That's who the Harlem Gold Trotters used to play all the time, and they like one thousand and zero against them. But I I want it, man. I think you should be rewarded if you dropping logo threes. Give me a, give me another point. Yeah. Give me four points. Yeah. And I love the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So so we I think we got we got good uh perspective on both sides of it, you know. And and like I said, I, I think I'm I still want the four point shot. I think 
the way they're shooting it, it's a it's a higher difficulty shot than a regular three pointer. Shooting a three from the corner versus shooting from half court is two different things. And if you go to the gym and test it out, <laughs> you'll see it's two different things. So I think they should be rewarded for that. Well, let's go deeper. What if they did it in stages down the court? You got a seven point. That's if you shoot from the <laughs> <laughs> you shoot from the other free throw line. <laughs> then if you shoot from the from the other free throw line, you shoot from the other three point line, you get six. Half court, you get five. Logo, you get four. Then move into the three. Let's just can make you, it. Can you imagine how that, would, style. how that would change the game? Yeah. Like, but just imagine it would be like no lead would be too big. Right. You'd be down by 30. You make a couple six pointers, make a seven pointer, you right back in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll call it carnival style. It'd be <laughs> yeah. NBA going to carnival style. You just. know, it's just going to be. No, I don't want to see that. I really don't <laughs> want to go back to that. I like the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, I consider them to be professional athletes. Oh, they are. But I don't want this to be, you know, next thing you know, they're going to have like a trampoline out there. Steph Curry is going to be jumping on the trampoline. Throwing shots. They I want that too. Add that too. I want that. You know how the uh, the mascots come out at halftime and they jump on the trampolines and do all that dunking. Do that yeah, in the NBA too. Have no. one quarter. Y'all might as well dress do, up as a mascot. Yeah, they do that. You can do trampoline dunks. One quarter. They say okay. The second quarter trampoline dunks are legal. So, so this is a question I have. So going back to just having implement a four point shot. How would that change the defensive side of the game? Because now, if you play against the Warriors, you play against the Blazers, you play against Trey Young on the Hawks, you gotta what? You gotta bet. It might raise the defensive intensity. You might have to pick up ninety four feet. Yeah, they should be picking up ninety four feet now. Anyway, they still back off of Dame. They still back off of Curry. They get burned all the time. So, so actually, to counter. April's point, it may actually bring some more physicality, some more intensity back into the game because now with the four-point shot, you you pretty much got to guard 94 feet because you can't just be giving up a bunch of four-pointers every night. Yeah, you got to extend the defense. You got you to gotta get your man. When the ball take is going to be taken out, you're going to have to basically wait for your man at half court and go in the full. Because, you know, they back up. Yeah, at least up, a half-court press. They back up under the, uh, slightly under the three-point line yeah. now to guard. And then if they got a real good three-point shooter, they stay under the three-point line. Then as the three-point shooter get close, they step up. Exactly. But now you're going to have to wait for them at half court, and you're going to have to get some defense cooking right yeah, away. exactly. And then, you know, and that's that's the crazy thing about, you know, guys like Steph, Trey Young, the guys that are making these shots, is they got handles too. So if you guard them that far out, the whole defense is going to have to lock in. You're going to have to play excellent help defense, rotate. So some of the physicality, some of the defense that's been missing, it might actually be counterintuitive. If you had a four-point shot, maybe the defensive intensity will go up. So like I said, I think it's definitely something the NBA should at least experiment with, maybe try it in the preseason, uh, try it in the all-star game. Uh, and, and you know, I think it could be beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Well, just to give you the history of the three-point line, shout out to the ABL, the American Basketball League. They It started in 1961, but the NBA didn't pick it up until, and really the ABA started using it like a high-level league. Mm. The ABA started using the three-point line. You know, and they did the first dunk contest. The ABA was innovative. What, what year did they do the uh, three-point line? The NBA started in 1979. And then the ABA started, what, in the 60s? Yeah, the ABA started much earlier than that. Oh, wow. And then, because the NBA was still trying to do the purest thing. Right. So whatever, the ABA before the merger, mm-hmm. they were being a lot more, they were dunking a lot more, a lot more pretty moves and one-on-one play, fangaro, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And the NBA were trying to be purest, but then when they merged them, that's when the NBA started loosening up and being a little more glamorous type league. And then the NCAA didn't pick it up until 1986. Wow. So the NCAA waited seven more years because they would, once again were doing that purest stuff. Yeah. And then high school didn't get it to 1987. That was my senior year because I remember oh, wow. 
When I first played high school ball, my first couple of years, it wasn't a three-point line in high school. So what so did you so your senior year you got to play with a three-point line? When yeah, well, I didn't play my senior didn't, year. You didn't play? Okay. Yeah. That, that's when uh how it was but over even me. just playing pickup ball, where was it at like neighborhood courts? No. Yet? No. Yeah, but it took it took a while for them to start painting them. Yeah, it took a while to start yeah. painting them. Nobody had them painted. Unless you painted them yourself. Because back in the day, you know, somebody will paint something for you. But when they started incorporating it to hardwood and, you know, professionally painting, that was probably yeah. like 1990. Wow. So it just, it hit high school in 1987. Then about 1990, that's when you couldn't, you couldn't even build a court without a three-point line. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's still relatively new, yeah. all things considered. And now we're, now we're talking about a four-point line, so. Who knows? Who knows where the game will be in twenty years? Yeah, yeah. And uh, another little trivial fact: three, three D, three DZ, Dennis Scott, uh, NBA TV. He's the first person who had a hundred three pointers in the season. I think one fifty and like two hundred. Like so, he kind of really changed the game in that regard, where he was more of a just strictly a three point specialist. Mm-hmm. And he started going high. He did the highest volume. Now, eventually, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen yeah. got the record. But 3D, Dennis Scott, that's why they call him 3D. He really changed the game where he became like the first kind of exclusive three-point shooter for a team. And, you know, so that's just another little trivia fact for all our fans out there. Nice. So... Yeah, that's that's a great history lesson about the history of the three. April, what you got for the hot takes? Well, what I have for the hot takes are I have Blake Griffin signed with the Nets. Mm. So does do you think this pushes them over the edge? Does it make them a contender? I think so. Really? Yeah. yeah. You're adding stars, man. Durant's going to be back. Harden and... and um, Kyrie Irving, man, their chemistry, I thought it was going to be a little janky because first it was Harden and Durant. Their chemistry was great with Kyrie out. Then Kyrie came back and Durant went out. Now their chemistry is is great. Now Durant's going to come back. Now you add another perennial all-star, six-time all-star, Blake Griffin. That's how you win championships. You got to have stars. No, no. You don't think so? This, This isn't Blake Griffin from the Clippers. Back when you know they were the other team in LA, this is twelve and five Blake Griffin. This is just got bought out of a fifty million dollar contract. Blake Griffin, he's not. He, he, I mean, it's it's a little improvement, I guess. But come on, at this point in his career, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, but I, I think that we're underestimating how much LeBron needs AD. And AD's not coming back. He he gonna be back. He's not gonna be back. Wow, he's not out for the season. He's just taking a rest. Because because when when you're when you're a champion, you know, in the shortest off season of all time, they only had like a month and a half off. They just need some more time to get their bodies together. AD, they're just playing it safe. He'll be back. He'll be ready by playoffs. But they still stuck with the mummy, Mark Gasol. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, it's not like they got. Yeah, I mean, I just I can I can I can definitely see the Nets definitely making it to the finals and possibly winning now that they have Blake Griffin, and they may not be done. Mm. You never know who else they might get surprising. Yeah, I like it. I think I think anytime you add a vet like that, a guy who's been an All Star, Slam Dunk champion, been. Through the playoffs, not he hasn't gone that far in the playoffs, but right. he made the playoffs a few times. It, it, it's not going to hurt because they already have a whip, you know. So now you just add a real good veteran player, where all you got, all they got to do is give you ten to twelve minutes a night. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, I mean, if the, if you think ten to twelve minutes from Blake Griffin makes y'all a contender, now I mean it's okay, you know. I mean, I would much rather have him than not have him. I mean, why yeah. not? I don't think he's going to hurt him. And then you got to remember, he played with DeAndre Jordan, so he's going to have some chemistry there. They were a really good one-two punch. Yeah, a blast from the past. You know, I, if 
you're right. If the Nets owner can afford to build a time machine, having Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan <laughs> will be it will be a great fit. You're right. I just I think you're underestimating it because he's been on for the Pistons for the past couple seasons. So and it's the reason why he's on the Pistons. The Clippers didn't want him either. I just think it's time. I think this is good for the Nets. Um, speaking of that, I think that we need to talk about this new potential partnership for football. Mm, which is? The CFL and the XFL are exploring options for a potential partnership. So that's the CFL, for those who don't are familiar with, is the Canadian Football League. Mm. And the XFL is the indoor like U.S. league. Mm. So they're thinking about having a partnership to expand and grow the game of football. Okay. And they're going to looking to expand in the Canadian market. I, you know, and if you're if you're an NFL fan, you may be thinking, so what? But I'll tell you something. I could see this being successful because of the digital world and because people love football, especially people want to watch football year round. Football, you know, because of how physical it is, it's only a short amount of time in a year. So if they are if they play during the NFL offseason and one of the one other thing why I can see this growing is because the NFL has this exclusive contract with EA with EA Sports for the Madden games. And they've been getting a lot of flack. Like they literally the new Madden was rated one percent. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Wow. They and the Madden games have been trashed, the community is falling apart. If they create a fun video game. To allow people to play football video games, which everybody loves, and they play in the NFL offseason, this could actually kind of blow up, you know. So I think it's a it, it could actually this partnership could be fruitful. Yeah, and you know, the CFL, Canadian Football League, has a hardcore fan base. They've been around yeah. for a while. Somebody Google how long the CFL has been around. And I remember a lot of people not might not remember this, maybe just through about the 80s. A lot of African-American quarterbacks coming out of college didn't get a shot in the NFL. Mm. They would they would they would kind of they kind of had a lot of ultimatums, whereas they had to switch positions. A lot of them had to transition to like wide receiver. Um, even Warren Moon. Warren Moon is the most classic story. This guy was a I think he played for Washington. He was a classic pocket on the money quarterback. And just because of race, the NFL didn't want to give him a shot mm. like a stand in the pocket, first round pick, star quarterback. Yeah. And he didn't want to compromise. He like, I'm not playing another position. Yeah. So he went over to the CFL. And a lot of really good African-American college quarterbacks, because they were running and throwing already how the game is evolving now. Yep. They were being criticized for that because they were like, well, you guys run too much. Yeah, and the the history of the NFL, you know, they've had a lot of moments like that of, you know, how they treat black players, especially black quarterbacks in the the market. And you can see that. And uh, like you said, the CFL has been around since 1958, has a diehard fan base in Canada. And another reason why I think this could be successful is, is, you know, like, you know, the NBA basketball, right? It's only, you know, you know, a hundred people that you actually want to watch play basketball. Right. Whereas in the NFL, right, college is huge mm-hmm. and so many players from these D one schools don't go to the league. Right. Yeah. So you got these college stars, you already see, you know, Josh Gordon, Johnny Manziel, they're kind of reviving their careers in these smaller league. They still have a following, still have fans. And a lot of other college stars that say, hey, I may not be NFL caliber, but I'm still excited and I still got fans and I can go to the CFL and still be a professional athlete. Yeah. yeah. But shout out to the CFL because like I say, when a lot of black quarterbacks didn't want to compromise mm. and give up their dream as a quarterback and they're like, no, I'm not converting to a DB. I'm not converting to a wide receiver. Yep. They could go to the CFL and be a quarterback, whether they were a starter or a backup because even yep. – they even had a system in the NFL where if a black quarterback did make it, it was 
be a starter or a bus. Like if yeah. you couldn't hold on to your starting position, you weren't going to last a long time as a perennial backup quarterback as an African-American for many, many, many years. Now that trend is changing now. But in the CFL, you could go over there. If you were good enough, you could be a starter. But then if you lost your starting spot, you could be a backup for six, seven years in the CFL. So shout out to the CFL. Shout out to the XFL. I hope they do pull off the merger. And I think the CFL will keep flourishing, man, because Canada, you know, is a, is a great sports country, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to answer your question earlier, the CFL has been around for 63 years. The first game was played in January of 1958. So that's just a fun fact. And also, we got to, you know, we're from Chicago. We're Southsiders. We love the Chicago Bears. We are with them through thick and thin and dumb and dumber. So (laughs) they have decided to franchise tag Allen Robinson again. So, again, he's on a one-year contract. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely glad Allen Robinson's back. I, I personally don't like the franchise tag. Uh, I just think it's, I mean, obviously the player gets a lot of money in that one year, but you know, it's kind of a weird thing to say, Hey, you, you can test the free market and then you can say, but nah, we just going to keep you for a one year deal. If you get hurt, then oh well, you know? So, but I'm, I'm definitely glad that, you know, Allen Robinson's back with the team and hopefully, you know, even though he's been balling with these subpar quarterbacks, if we actually get him a quarterback, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, he had another thousand yard season, so yep, they really didn't have anybody else to give it to, so <laughs> they, they decided to go with him. But hey, you know that's that's sports, that's the NFL, baby. Yeah, that's all I have for the hot takes. Those hot takes were hot. Yeah, man. And, and speaking of the Bears, who so? So I guess this is, this is two parts. So out of Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, the two quarterbacks that may be available for a trade potentially, uh, or in the draft, you know, you got Mac Jones who may fall to us and some other guys. Who should the Bears get? And then the second part of that, do you think they'll actually do it? No, they won't do it. <laughs> We're not going to get them. I'm, finna, I'm going to be like uh, – uh, what's that? I don't know what it's called, but no, we're not going to get anybody. They're not going to do it. And then they're going to accidentally on purpose, as they always do, draft the wrong guy. So <laughs> I'm, I'm lowering my expectation to the Bears. They build me up every year. I've been going through this for about 40 years, and then they always let me down. But this time, I'm going to be ready. So I'm saying no to everything, and it's never going to work, and we're not going to do it. And we're going to move up in the draft or make some draft trade and get Shelby Johnson or something out of the NCAA and pass up on the top quarterback. So that's that's the way I'm looking at it. That may be a good strategy for us Bears fans going forward. Just set our expectations low. Yeah. Because we always we think we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. And With then nothing. the Bears just do something dumb and just <laughs> always seem to ruin it. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm my expectation is super low. So I'm going into the season saying we're going to do everything wrong and we're going to pick the wrong guy in the draft if we draft a quarterback. A lot of times they draft pretty good at other positions, but if we draft a quarterback, we're going to pick the wrong guy. And that's my expectations. So I won't be let down again uh, coming into the NFL season. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to agree. And that's on Mary had a little lamb. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I feel. What about you, Mike? How you feel? I mean, I, I'm going a, I'm to a still be an optimistic Bears fan. I think they're going to pull this Russell Wilson trade off. And, but but if, if if you ask me to put money on it or anything, I would say I was, I'm more on your side. Like, no, they're, they're not going to do it. They're going to say, well, we could have. <laughs> they're going to hold a press conference and say, well, guys, we could have got Russell Wilson, but we made a decision to – trade a few more guys and get Alex Smith or something like that. That's what they're going to do, man. I'm telling you. They get us every year, man. Every yeah. year. So my expectations are low. So if they do the right thing and get a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I can actually celebrate. Yeah, that's, that's a good strategy. Yeah, man. It's been a good podcast, man. We chopped it up on this one. Yeah. But look, let me tell you guys, we're out there on social media. Hit us up in the comments. Share us. Like, we're on our new platform. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Mike Burr, tell them, tell them how Clubhouse works, because we want people to start 
logging in the clubhouse and getting a, be a part of it. So clubhouse is a new, it's the hot new app. Uh, I'm sure you, you've heard about it. Um, it is an audio only social media platform. Um, that's why we're broadcasting live on it every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Um, and it, it's invite only because it's real exclusive. It's real new. So you want to be on a new wave. You got to check us out uh, on Clubhouse and we will send you invite. We got a bunch of invites. So we'll send them to you. Uh, so, yeah, check us out live on Clubhouse on your Wednesday nights. And right now it's only for iPhone users because they're still in beta mode. Um, so you need iPhone to access Clubhouse right now and you'll get to listen to us record the podcast live. Yeah. And, and if we start getting more people on Clubhouse, then after the show, we're going to open it up for questioning. You could give us your comments live. You could talk to us live. But we need to kind of build it up and get people on there. So if you start logging in Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Check us out on Clubhouse, the Barrage Sports Show. Then if you if you listen to us live, we'll we'll stay on 15, 20 minutes after the show and chop it up with you, answer questions, get your comments, and just have a pretty robust conversation with you live as well. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Again, like, subscribe, share. We're trying to build this thing. Uh, we're up to 20 subscribers on YouTube. That's 20 more than we had a year ago. And we're, we're, we're doing much better on our podcast. We got people from all over the world checking in. So be a part of this. We call yes. our subscribers winners. And we want you to be a winner, too. Yep. Yes. So, April T., you got anything else? The super producer? Yeah, I do have something. This is the sound that I have when we talk about the Bears. Okay. <laughs> I hope we don't hear that too much this season, but I'm kind of scared. One more time, April. Do it one more time. One more time. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I hope we don't hear that too much, but it's been, unfortunately, it's been like that lately. Lately. Yeah. It looks like so far it's going to be another. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's Nick Foles and Mr. Bisky <laughs> leading us right uh, to eight and eight once again. Yeah, and then they tell us we have a quarterback competition. <laughs> okay, Mike Burr, you got <laughs> Mike Burr, you got anything else? That's it. All right, that's it, y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed the show. Hit us up, and as we always say, Mike Burr, drop the beat.